0: This podcast is prepared and brought to you by Climate Reality Dallas Fort Worth Chapter.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Green Paths podcast. We're
0: your co-hosts, I'm Vanessa
1: and Ashrita. Every episode we talk to a new person working to address climate change from a different industry angle or form of activism. We want to show you that no matter what field you're interested in, say, NGOs, renewable developers, education, fashion, anything really, there's always some way for you to be a part of the environmental and sustainability movement. I'm pleased to introduce our first guest, Mr. John Zavalny. John is an award-winning science and environmental educator who's earned the Presidential Award for Excellence as the Top Science Teacher in California, the Disney American Teacher Award honoree as one of the top three science teachers in the country, the Global Leadership Award in Education from the Jane Goodall Institute, and many more. He's a teacher and representative for leading environmental programs, most notably Jane Goodall's Roots and Shoots program. But to his students, he's Mr. Z the coolest science teacher in South LA whose classroom is filled with exotic animals that they get to learn about every day. I had the privilege of having John as my mentor in the climate reality training last year, where he trained a group of 10 other teens and I to teach others about the climate movement.
2: It's my pleasure to be here and thank you for doing this. It's so important that we do get the word out.
0: Yeah, and at the training, one of the first topics that we discuss is crafting this very strong and powerful narrative that is called our climate stories. So, John, putting you back on the spot here a little bit, can you tell us about your climate story and why you care about the nature and the environment?
2: Sure. Um, um, as a as a youngster growing up in the suburbs of Detroit in the urban area, I didn't have a lot of experience uh, with nature until I joined the Boy Scouts. And then that got us out camping and learning about nature and, and all those things that yeah, have a direct impact on how you feel about where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, family time was important, going fishing with my dad up in Holton lake. All those experiences that I've had are ingrained in me, and they really make, give me a love for nature. Uh, and then I went to college in West Virginia. Uh, And again, even more into nature with some of the classes I was taking. My environmental studies teacher had us doing projects that really made an impact on me because the rivers in the Pittsburgh area were so polluted. And so we did some work on that. And so it really got me interested in doing projects to make a difference in our community.
0: That is awesome and also really relatable. So I studied chemical engineering in college, and it really wasn't thermodynamics or equations of state that got me interested in the first place i can't even remember what those are anymore but i think it might be the freshman year project that we did for renewable hypothetical renewable build out um, where we have to evaluate the solar and wind resources and land availability and the cost and etc and i think that just really helped shape a lot of my thinking and got me thinking that wow renewable energy is cool
2: Right. That's kind of my philosophy as a teacher is that, you know, our experiences and the ones we would learn from school and remember most from school aren't the tests and and the lectures, but it's the things that we do, what we get involved with. And that shapes our future. Yeah, so true. For me, it gives us an idea of, of what we love to do, what we're interested in, and possibly a future job that could come from that.
1: Yeah, so true. I'm a high school student, and I definitely have to go through the process of shoving information down my throat only to test the next day and then forget it all. And that's not learning. You know, I think it's so invaluable that you focus on hands-on learning for your kids because when they look back at life, the things that they remember most are those transformative experiences.
2: Well, as a middle school teacher, which is different than a high school teacher, you have more opportunity to do... um... Projects with the other teachers, so integrated learning. Uh, Too often, times math and language arts and everything else is taught in a separate silo. And then, there, yeah. and then there's science. You do science, you do math, you do English, but you don't do them together. So you're know, working with other teachers and, and getting curriculum like Project Wet and Project Wild and Project Learning Tree, which are integrated programs. Kids are learning how to write, do math, all related to science and an environment. So once I got trained as a very first second year teacher. I got trained in Project Wild and thought, "Wow, well, this is amazing. Everybody should get involved with this. And so I immediately became a teacher trainer, started training teachers in that. Then I found Project Learning Tree, which is all about forests. Project Wild is about animals and Project White about water education. So all these things are really suited for a middle school teacher because they, they cover all the subject areas and they're all integrated. And it's the best way for students to learn because they're learning in context instead of learning in separate silos.
1: Yeah, I don't think educators really make an effort to integrate subjects together. It's especially not something like math and environmental science. It's very
0: compartmentalized.
2: And in high school, it's even harder to break that down, those, those silos.
0: And I bet students love that integrated, hands-on type of teaching, right? I mean, I definitely would.
2: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Getting students outside, you know, even if it's just, you know, picking up leaves and drawing their shapes... And then there's an activity in Project Learning Tree where the kids uh, get blindfolded and they have to use their senses to describe a tree that they're touching uh, with while they're blindfolded. Wow. So learning how to use all their senses and get outside in nature and then and they actually end up writing a poem. You know, the integration of science and math and language arts is out there. But getting the kids outside to do activities, getting them run back and forth, practicing different food chains and food activities, it's, they, they really take that to heart they love getting out of the classroom and then a lot of times corralling that energy is a little difficult but having positive energy is not a bad thing
1: (laughs) yes and it allows each student to use their strengths to their advantage whether they're creative or analytical or whatever it may be it can play a part in their learning
2: right yeah i do have to add though that my classroom was very unique i had started a partnership with the u.s fish and wildlife department and it's kind of a long story, but it actually started with my neighbor giving me a, a box turtle and an iguana. And then I got permission to bring them into my classroom. And then that led to a connection with U.S. Fish and Wildlife, as they were confiscating animals being smuggled over the border illegally, mostly exotics. And then I ended up getting them into my classroom. So my classroom literally became a zoo with over 40 different species of animals. Oh,
0: my goodness! Birds,
2: Birds flying overhead, snakes and iguanas and tarantulas, and you name it, chameleons everywhere. And so that hands-on learning with the kids, my problem was never getting the kids into the classroom, it was getting them out of the classroom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing achievements. So we got to learn about your life as a teacher. Tell us a little bit about your experiences as a good friend of the famous Dr. Jane Goodall.
2: Wow, that, that was, that was, that's still I get goosebumps thinking about it, just being able to call her a personal friend. I I got a notice that she was speaking at a local junior high school, John Burrow Middle School, to introduce her Roots and Shoots program, which is based upon students doing uh, service projects, uh, environmental service projects in their community. So I went to the school very early because she was going to talk to the teachers in the teacher cafeteria before we went to the auditorium. And uh, I sat down at the table. Actually, I got there so early I helped set up the tables. And Jane came in and sat down right next to me and started shorting through her slides because at that time she was doing slides in a carousel. Mm
1: -hmm. And we
2: started talking, and I talked to her about my animals in my classroom, what I was doing, and we made a connection. And, you know, I got a picture taken with her, and I said, thank you so much. This is an opportunity of a lifetime. And she looked me right in the eyes and said, no, we'll we'll be seeing you again. This isn't just a -a once-in-a-lifetime thing.
0: And did you? What came next?
2: Well, a letter from Jane asking me if I'd be interested to go to Tanzania for three months and volunteer with the Roots and Shoots program. And how do you say no to something like that? But it's, you know, I had to leave my wife home for three months. I had to leave school for three months. And so, you know, it's one of those opportunities, risks that that get put in front of you that can change your life. And it leads you down a path. When I when I decided we were going to do that, and I came back from Tanzania working with Jane, it's changed my life. It's opened so many doors and opened my eyes to so many opportunities. So you know, I always try to tell my students, you know, you really have to look at your future and the opportunities that come in front come in front of you, because every choice you make leads you down a path. Every choice you don't make, you don't go down that path. So you know, it's all connected.
0: That's so amazing. And so two questions from me. First, tell us all about Tanzania. I love traveling and Tanzania is one of the top three countries on my list now. And I just imagine watching the sunrise and sunset on safari every day. And so I want to hear all about it and what you did there. And the second question is, I'm one of those people who make a pro con list even for what type of cake I should bake on a Saturday night. So how did you make that trade-off? Because you have to leave your family, you have to put your life in the States, kind of on hold. What was your thought process like?
2: Ah, okay. Well, how much time do we have to talk about Tanzania? It was a life-changing experience. Um, I lived in Jane's house in Dar es Salaam. Um, My next-door neighbor was her son, Grub and uh basically i was there to learn more about roots and shoots because jane was just introducing it into the united states and the inner city so going to where roots and shoots started you know pretty critical to learn how it started and what the kids were doing there so part of my job was to go to schools get projects going and learn about roots and shoots so one of the biggest projects we worked on was uh, a celebration of roots and shoots week and uh, we partnered with the international school because the international school had money and, and, and things that the kids who lived in the mud huts and went to a one-room schoolhouse with no desks um, didn't mm. have. So working with them you know made a big difference. But for Roots and Shoots Week, what we did was we had an art contest for the kids and they took this very serious. I mean, they each had the same paper, the same marking pencils, same amount of time to draw an environmental picture about their community. Oh, and wow. they were, some of them were amazing, but they were very serious about this. Then we have a soccer tournament, and that really endeared me to the students because you would see um, the kids playing soccer, but one kid would have one shoe on, and another kid would have the other shoe on. They shared a <laughs> pair of shoes, so each of them would have one shoe to Aww. play soccer with. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and so it was like, wow. You know, these kids are just, they are amazing. You know, And they, to me, one thing I learned most about were the kids, um, they enjoy life, and they they, re, they really, really appreciate what they have. They don't worry about what they don't have. And which is a complete contrast, different of the students I teach in, in L.A. And so that appreciation that they have for life and, and everything that they do have is very endearing and, and so positive. They just enjoy life so much.
0: That's amazing. It's like not having to worry about, oh, do I have the newest iPhone model when it comes out? Just to really be able to appreciate the nature, what Mother Nature has given us all.
2: Another thing that happened while I was in Tanzania has to do with the GLOBE program. I I helped start GLOBE, global learning and observations to benefit the environment, which is based on Al Gore's first book, Earth in the Balance. There's not enough scientists to collect all the environmental data that we need. Um, And so they started the GLOBE program to train teachers to uh, learn the protocols, use specific instruments and have the students collect data and send it to the environment to uh, research scientists. So while I was in Tanzania, I was working with Jane, but also with the GLOBE program. So I ended up negotiating a bilateral agreement with the Minister of Education uh, that was signed by both uh, countries to bring the GLOBE program into Tanzania. And this is actually had happened before I got involved with climate reality. And I actually got a nice personal letter from Vice President Al Gore thanking me for my work in Tanzania. And so that kind of went out when the climate reality came up, that kind of tied together that for me.
1: So how did you make the decision to take a risk and leave for months knowing that you're already established in L.A.? Uh,
2: well, first of all, it's Jane Goodall. <laughs> I mean, True. So how can being, you say yeah, no? I never really had any thoughts about anything negative happening, except I did get malaria, but that's another story. Aww. Uh, uh, but I never thought – I always – Go into these kinds of situations and opportunities Think about how will I bring this back to my students and how will it impact them? I read really too much about how it was going to impact me, but how could I bring it back to my students was the more important thing. And, and, and it certainly came back because once I got back and started roots, helped start Roots and Shoots in Los Angeles, it really started taking off and made a big difference. And if you want another Tanzania story, I could. We would. Yes, please, please. So, my last week, well, next to the last week in Tanzania, I was scheduled to go to Gombe uh, with the chimps and the researchers and spend a whole week with the, the researchers out in Gombe. Uh-huh. Uh, but I had been spending almost three months trying to negotiate that bilateral agreement. And so finally, I got the, the Minister of Education to agree to it. And they said, well, okay, well, uh, Hillary Clinton's going to be in town this week, so we want to have her sign the bilateral agreement and, and have this big ceremony. And I'm like, well, I'm supposed to be in Gombe that week, so I'm going, Chimps, Hillary, Chimps, Hillary, Chimps. chimps. Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I ended up going to uh, Gombe, and Hillary didn't end up coming, so we had the signing ceremony later. But that whole week in Gombe, going out with the researchers uh, every day, it wasn't a matter if we're going to see Chimps. It's what Chimps are we going to follow today? Aww. And oh, it was amazing. It's yeah. magical. While I was staying at Jane's house, some uh, German veterinarians flew over because they were going to go to Gombe with their blowguns and their darts to dart some baboons. They weren't darting chimps. Baboons got caught in a snare, and they had wire wrapped around their wrists and legs and stuff, so they are going to dart them, knock them out, and clean up the wounds, take the wires off them and stuff. But they were there for about a week, and their medicine and stuff never showed up, so they went back to Germany. And then their stuff arrived, the blow d- darts and the guns and everything. So I got to take them to Gambi with me to the researchers and got to practice blowing them and go out while we did this whole thing. And it was, yeah, it was really special.
0: <laughs> That's such a fun story and sounds like the list just goes on with so many more in Tanzania. So I'm curious, John, What? how did this experience change your classroom experience for the kids in L.A.? What did you bring back to your classroom in L.A.?
2: Well, Roots and Shoots is really about students getting involved in their local community and doing service projects related to the environment. And I ended up being on the, the Los Angeles Unified School Districts. Uh, it was not it was in the sustainability uh, department, but it was for service learning to write a graduation requirement for kids to do a, a service learning project. And I brought in Roots and Shoots as a partner in LA Unified. As a, as a partner to help kids learn how to do service projects. So what it changed for me is having, making the kids become aware of their community and what changes they, they can make in their community. So one of the things that I learned through Roots and Shoots was community mapping. Having the students either draw a map out about their local community or use Google uh, maps to, to make a map, but identify things that are in their community and things that they're missing so they could design a project. So, for example, one project I had my students work on was food because uh, South Los Angeles was considered a food desert. Uh-huh. So I had the kids look on a map and I had them identify everywhere they could buy fast food. And they were everywhere <laughs> on the map. Uh-huh. But then I had them identify where they could buy fresh organic food. And there was only one or two places in the area, not even in their neighborhood. And so then we started talking about what can we do. And then so we started a school garden. And we started growing food at school. And then we located a garden that was at USC that the kids didn't even know about that they sell organic food to the local community. So getting the kids to learn about those their community and make a difference in their community got them, you know, looking at their, it was in my health class, so looking at health and nutrition and things like that. So, you know, that's one of the things that that brought back. Another project that we worked on after we did community mapping was I had the kids again, draw a map and tell me where can they buy bottled water? Hmm. And again, it was everywhere. But where can you take a reusable water bottle and get good, fresh, filtered water and refill your container? And there was only one place on campus at the University of Southern California. So we we were doing the recycling on campus uh, to get rid of plastic. And that's a whole other issue I could talk about with plastic and the environment uh, and climate change. Uh, But we decided that we wanted to get uh, the kids to have refillable water bottles. We were having trouble having the kids buy bottles even when it had the school name on it because there was no place on campus to fill them. But the purpose of selling the bottles was to raise money to put a station in. So, through that project, we got that done and kids got their bottles, and the school was reducing, putting our recycling club out of business, which is what our plan was. So, you know, getting the kids involved in community projects really changed yeah. a lot of the way I, I taught. But also, For Roots and Shoots, it's about developing leadership skills in students. As a group, you know, figure out, because they're in charge, not the idea is that student driven, not teacher driven. So, you know, middle school kids don't like working groups. But when you get in a group, the diversity of the group is your strength because you got somebody who can write, somebody who can draw, somebody who does research, somebody who can do the computer, somebody who can do – and all those skills together is what makes the team really strong. And whether it's contacting community members for for donations or what we, what we can do, those are the kinds of skills that that turn into future jobs for students. And when you talk to job people who are looking for jobs, those are the skills they ask, about. Well, are you a team member? And you work as a group in those kinds of things. So roots and shoots helped me develop that in my students too.
0: Absolutely, I think these type of experiences are your answers to all to "tell me about a time" type of interview questions. But even beyond that. You know, writing a paper and getting an A or even an A-plus on the paper is, is great. You feel great. But it's still very different from doing something that you know is actually helping the community and you're making a positive impact. And I can just imagine how rewarding that experience must have been.
2: Well, that's, that's, that's my philosophy as an educator. It's, it's really not about teaching kids the content. You know, it's not about the science content or the math content. It's about what are you're going to do with it. Um, and so it's really about preparing kids for the future and giving them those experiences so they know whether they are going to be the boss or whether they're going to be the artist or whatever, whatever skills that they develop that they love. Hopefully they can find a job that pays them to do what they love to do. But first they have to discover what that is through experience.
1: And you and your students were actually interviewed by Fox News.
2: It was a morning show. And they had contacted me and because I guess they saw a video of me with my students and animals or something, and they wanted them on their show. So we got to bring in a, a big a big snake, a big boa constrictor, and a tarantula, and, and fruit loops a bird, and and we were being interviewed. And, and the girl who was handling the tarantula ended up finding out that she was allergic to the tarantula. no. Because when a tarantula gets frightened, it'll take its back legs, then rub its abdomen, and the hairs fly off and stick in your skin. She had gotten pretty much irritated because the tarantula did that to her arm and it was not very comfortable but she insisted that she's going on she is you know she was a trooper she's going to just go right on and do what she had to do to be on tv with that tarantula and she was amazing that's crazy dedication yeah also i i don't don't know if i shared the other story with you but when disney was filming me in my classroom one of the girls was holding a big eight-foot bowl constrictor And I always taught my kids about how to handle the snakes and what to do and what not to do, especially if you get bit by a snake. So she's getting filmed and the snake bit her. The bowl constrictor latched onto her hand and she stood there and relaxed. The cameraman's freaking out. The director's freaking out and she's relaxing and she waited till the snake let go and moved her hand because she was taught that if a snake bites, the last thing you want to do is pull your hand out because the teeth are pointing back and you're going to shred your skin as you pull it out of the snake's mouth. She stood there with the snake snatched onto her, cameras rolling, and everybody freaked out. She like, no, wiped it off. So let's go. Oh, my God. Kids are amazing. (laughs)
1: Yeah, kids really are. So as someone who's taught all over the world, California, Africa, uh, Arizona even, how have you adapted your teaching to kids of various backgrounds that may have different beliefs or even politically influenced opinions about the environment?
2: That's an interesting question. One thing about Roots and Shoots doing projects is that it's localized. It's about what's going on in your local area. So one thing you need to do when you talk about climate change is you have to localize it. You have to make it something that they'll understand. And I've learned by talking to adults who really don't necessarily believe in climate change. But if I can show them how they can save some money and make their business more efficient, you you have to hit them with the things that they care about. And the same thing with students. The students want clean air and clean water and be able to go out and play. So finding that common ground is the most important thing. So let's talk about what we agree on and let's not focus on what we disagree on. So I found that to work, you know, all all across the world.
0: So, John, I want to dive into your role as an educator a little more. I have a lot of friends doing Teach for America, and they often describe it as one of the most stressful but rewarding experience that they've ever had. And I imagine that when you brought a tarantula into the classroom, some students might be freaking out and parents or other teachers might not be so happy. So what are some other challenges that you face in this process?
2: Yeah, one of the biggest challenges of, of, is just the maintenance of the classroom when you have so many animals. I, I would have never been able to do what I've done without students who stepped up and, and took care of the animals. And I made it part of their classroom. Their responsibility, each one of them had to assign an animal and they were responsible for taking care of it and learning about it. And their whole curriculum was kind of based on that. So the difficulty for me is like the time factor, because the animals need to eat on the weekend and on holidays so coming in all the time to school was a hardship on me but i had students who volunteered to come in on weekends and and during their vacation time to come in and work in my classroom so you know having those students who are so engaged that they'll take their own time to come in and do that that was so rewarding um but again having you know a ten-foot bowl constrictor laying on the ground you know um there are certain people that won't walk in my classroom (laughs) you know some of the some of the custodians wouldn't come in parents wouldn't come in my room if i had a parent conference i had to step outside to talk to them so it's 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 really interesting how kids uh get attracted to different animals one of my favorite stories is about i had a small little girl who loved the bowl constrictor this big old eight foot bowl constrictor on her shoulders and and she's holding it and everything while in the back corner is one of the worst students. He's in the back all scared, and this girl's got this snake in his back there, power So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny how that works out. Uh, but, yeah, the kids kids didn't want to work with certain animals, so they had a choice of which animal they want to work with. But getting parents and administrators and others into the room sometimes was a little difficult. Hmm. And sometimes, you know, the odor wasn't the best <laughs> we have constant cleaning
1: yeah I mean it's a classroom and, zoo right
2: but the school stepped up it, originally it was all out of my pocket all the food medical bills everything was out of my pocket but eventually it, this my classroom became a showpiece for the school and so the leadership wow. started raising money for me and, and paying for the food and bills and stuff so yeah that made a big difference too it turned some people around and
1: and, you and just
2: watching the kids get excited about learning is, is worth all those extra hours I put in. The difference between service learning and community service is that service learning is directly connected to what they're learning in their classroom and that's so important. So what they're l- using what they're learning to do these projects is, is so much more important than going out and volunteering for a couple hours to get your hours in. So service learning was a big part of that.
0: Wow. So all in all, this has been really, really helpful. And we just wanted to ask you, John, as a science teacher, as an educator, what, what advice do you have for someone who is interested in the career path as an educator, is just starting out in the education space?
2: Well, as an educator, of course, being a science teacher, I'm biased. But um, <laughs> as an educator, I think the key is connecting with your students helping them understand the connection that they have and their impact on the planet. And so no matter whether you're teaching language arts or history, uh, a topic like water, for example, water is one of, one of the biggest things I'd like to talk about. Because, you know, if you study history, civilizations were built around water sources. When we look to the planets for life, the first thing we look for is water. And Jane Goodall told me probably 20 years ago, all the wars of the future will be fought over water. And so making people aware of their impact on the planet and not taking for granted what we have because other countries don't is really important. So getting your kids to understand that as an educator is, is key. It's not so much about, like I said, not the science content, the English content, but what impact are you having on the planet and start examining how much energy do I waste? How much water do I waste? What can I do to make a difference? And so getting kids excited as an educator is is the best thing that could ever happen.
0: I love that. I think understanding the why and reasons behind is definitely a very good motivator. And on the other side, in terms of looking for opportunities, I mean, it's pretty awesome to get to work with Dr. Jane Goodall, but surely opportunities don't just present themselves naturally to you. You must be doing something right. <laughs>
2: well, yeah, yeah. One, one thing you mentioned was like, you know, how did you pick and choose which opportunities to take or not? Um, and because of, I guess, my notoriety, I do have a lot of opportunities come to me. And my wife keeps telling me I have to learn how to say no. And don't spell it with a K. But, you know, like I said, every opportunity, every choice you make makes a difference in your entire life. The rest of the path that you follow and so you know be true to yourself is the biggest thing i could say you know find something you're interested in find something you're passionate about and stick to it yeah you know jane goodall always talks about how her mother was so supportive of her and, and when she did something silly like bring earthworms into her bed her mom didn't get mad at her she said these earthworms need to live in the dirt they'll die here in your bed so you know if she would have yelled at her and said eh, you know you would, would change everything so having that supportive parent or the supportive adult in your life that's going to help guide you. I mean, be true to yourself. Find something that that you're passionate about. I found as a teacher that I'm I'm like a natural teacher, so it was kind of easy for me. But, you know, find what you're passionate about. And then if you can get a job getting paid to do what you love to do, that's the best thing in the world.
1: Yes, and you're very much that parental figure constantly changing students' lives. So I'll ask one more question. As a teen, we're kind of pressured to figure out our major within the next few years. And for those of us interested in sustainability or the environment, do you have any job or career advice after having met so many different people working in different sections of the
2: environmental world? Be flexible. I changed my major a couple of times, you know. <laughs> if I'll I was probably a, do that too, I, I think. Would, I think. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, probably you will too. And and so many people graduate from college with a degree that they're in a job, they're not using their degree. Yeah. So, you know, that's something that's to think me. about, too. <laughs> <laughs> and now, with the cost of college and everyone, all this talk about student debts and stuff, there's so many, you know, yeah. things to think about. I know. So, even as a high school student, if you're not involved in career technical education, which has a direct link into jobs in the environment. Because if you're you're going into career tech education and you're going to work in an energy or water field, you're working in environmental issues, whether you know it or not. If you're helping yeah. people save water and, and, and be more efficient with their electricity, you know, that's really important. So career tech ed is one avenue for people to get into those kinds of jobs. But working for nonprofits um or volunteering, like a lot of the stuff I do, is not paid. It's volunteer work with mm-hmm. all those organizations, Project yeah. Wild, Roots and Shoots, Blue. All that stuff you don't get paid for, it, but you do it because you love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but so it's so much more fulfilling, what, I
1: think.
2: You know, find out something you're passionate about, whether yeah. it's whether it's water, whether it's food, whether it's nutrition, whether it's health. That's all related to climate. Climate is impacting us all. Yeah. So really, it's it's being passionate about something. And it's staying true to your heart and pursuing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, climate is so interconnected in every job. They're not necessarily environmental jobs. It's just sort of intrinsic in everything. It could be probably going to take over the AI world, labor jobs, just everything. And it's, it's the future, really.
2: So I think it's really not about looking for an environmental, sustainable job. It's looking for a job you love and what can you do? Yeah. Environmental sustainability in that field.
1: Yeah, so it's not necessarily yeah. trying to
2: pigeonhole yourself into a sustainability job. It's what do you love to do? And then how can I impact the environment through the job that I'm doing? I think that's, that's a good key
0: yeah. point. And Ashrita, I think that's exactly our intent for starting this podcast as well, is to show that no matter what field or what industry you're interested in, even if it's something seemingly not related to climate at all, there's something that you can do to drive the climate agenda forward.
2: Look for your passion, find what, what you're good at, what you like to do, yeah. and then figure out how you can change that business or do something to that in that career that will impact the, the environment in a positive way.
0: I think this quote should be written on every single textbook. But before we wrap up, John, one more question. We want to ask our, our guests what is one book or movie related to your passion that just really opened up your eyes or trigger something in your mind for you.
2: Few things I could recommend. The story of stuff. They have the story of plastic, the story of everything. And it's talking about critical wow. grave. And that has to do with pollution and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's a great video to look at. Racing extinction is about the impact of humans on species going extinct but it's got some really great solutions in there. I got a couple couple books if I, if I may. I just happen to have a couple Jane Goodall books, go figure, of, of course. Reason for Hope, which uh, describes how she gets her hope from students and teachers doing projects. And, and so we are her inspiration for oh. reason, reason for Hope's a good one. And then Harvest for Hope is about how food impacts the environment. So those are two really good reads. But one, one story that I read that really about climate change that opened my eyes was Thomas Friedman's Hot, Flat, and Crowded. Um, so those are a couple of things I would highly recommend. Awesome. I, I Thank worked you. I uh with uh, Josh Takell, who made a movie called Fuel. He drove a van around the United States collecting used vegetable oil from fast food restaurants and turning it into biodiesel to teach about Alternate Energies for Cars. So I got to be part of a group that did education uh, website for him. And so that's another good one to watch.
1: Thank you so much, John. This has been a great conversation. Thank you guys for listening to the Green Paths podcast, and we hope you found it interesting. As a quick recap, our podcast aims to share how you can contribute or pursue a career related to sustainability across a wide variety of industries and roles. If you have any questions, suggestions, or if you would like to be featured as a guest on our future episodes to tell us about your green path, please drop us an email at thegreenpathsgang at gmail.com. See you guys again next
0: episode. Lastly, some more words from John about the Roots and Shoots program for those who might be interested.
2: As a public school science and environmental educator, I focused on giving students experiential opportunities that allowed them to gain knowledge and understanding about humankind's impact on the planet. These experiences helped them to examine their own attitudes and concern for environmental quality, while developing skills to help identify and research solutions to mitigate environmental degradation especially the existential threat of climate change. This holds true for all of us, not just students. In the words of Dr. Jane Goodall, quote, Only if we understand can we care. Only if we care will we help. Only if we help we shall be saved. End quote. Protecting and preserving the environment through responsible civic engagement and education will have a positive environmental impact for all living organisms in the future. As concerned community members, we have a responsibility to protect and preserve our health, the health of our family, the health of our community, and the health of our environment. We know we cannot do this alone. It will take all of us working together, sharing our knowledge and our expertise, to develop a feasible, step-by-step practical plan that will bring progress and long-term solutions. Together, we, as active community members, can start the process of building a public consensus to make systemic changes. In words often used to motivate her youth-focused environmental organization, Roots and Shoots, Dr. Goodall advises that, quote, Every individual matters. Every individual has a role to play. Every individual makes a difference. End quote. Oftentimes, systemic change starts with the action and commitment of an individual or small group. If you're interested in learning how to become an agent for positive change, I highly recommend Dr. Jane Goodall's Roots and Shoots program. Their website, Rootsandshoots.org has links to all the tools you need to start a club, and it's free. If you're a student in elementary school, middle school, or high school, or if you're attending community college or a university, if you're a teacher, a parent, a guardian, or an after school program coordinator, or if you homeschool, Roots and Shoots has something for you. The Roots and Shoots toolbox includes step by step instructions on how to start a club how to run meetings, and how to use community mapping to help identify areas and problems in your community that could use some attention. You can connect with other clubs around the world and become inspired to help to make the world a better place. Roots and Shoops will develop leadership skills in the youth of today, helping to create the leaders of tomorrow. When young people are given the opportunity to work together, designing, planning, bringing community partners, completing a project or campaign that had a positive impact on their community, amazing things can happen. Bringing in community partners is a big part of designing a successful Roots and Shoots project. If you want to do a Roots and Shoots project about tree planting, you should partner with a local organization that does tree planting. Or partner with a local planning commission to design a community garden. Energy and water related projects can be helped by your local power and water suppliers. The opportunities are endless. What is needed in your community? By completing a community map, you can help identify these needs. Then plan a campaign to mitigate the issue. These are the types of activities that, when connected to what students are learning through service learning, can become a catalyst to inspire future environmental champions. I'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast. Your being here shows your interest in helping making the world a better place for all living organisms. I'd also like to thank the Dallas-Fort Worth Climate Reality Chapter for sponsoring this podcast, with special thanks to Ashley, Vanessa, Krishna, and Ashrita for putting this all together. I would like to leave you with one final quote from Dr. Jane Goodall. Quote, Above all, we must realize that each of us makes a difference with our life. Each of us impacts the world around us every single day. We have a choice to use the gift of our life to make the world a better place, or not to bother. End quote. Now is not the time to not bother. Now is the time for action. We all must do everything in our power to abate the damage being brought upon us by the warming of our home planet Earth. We must stem the damage being caused by release of heat-trapping gases from the burning of fossil fuels. The future of our planet depends upon it. Thank you for being a concerned citizen. Now it's the time to take that concern and turn it into action.